Welcome to Shock 'em Dead Podcast, Episode 2. This week we're going to be talking about childhood horror movies, Christine, and music that we associate with October because it is now October. First podcast in October and the second one. Yep. So we'd like to thank everybody that has listened to our first episode of the podcast we released last week. Yes. About Malignant and The Dark Half. And we talked about the uh, new Carcass album. A bunch of other random stuff. Uh, Gilbert Godfrey and Pepsi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we rambled. Well, you rambled and I mumbled. Yeah, it's going to be a little more a little more structured this time because I just kind of was and a little, off. A little more rambling and a little more mumbling. Probably, yeah. <laughs> I say it's going to be organized, but here we go. All right, well... First thing, uh, let's talk about movies we watched as kids. You have more to say on that uh, than I do, because my parents weren't into uh, scary movies, and when you're little, you watch what you have around the house, because we didn't have damn Netflix. Yeah, we had tapes and uh, rental places. Uh, uh, my, oh, my, neither of my parents are really into horror movies, but I still watched a bunch as a kid, like I remember watching, like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and uh, Friday the Thirteenth. But that was mostly with my sister because her dad would let her watch stuff, and she'd just like bring it home, and we'd watch. We'd watch it together. Okay, so her dad. I I wondered that before how you, you know, got a hold of movies because, like I said, and like you said, all we had was the tapes that our parents had and if you went and rented a movie or something mm-hmm. that's what you had or if your friend if you had them didn't have many but if your friend had like a a tape that somebody you know recorded when it was playing on tv mm-hmm. and then you got commercials that you fast forwarded through <laughs> yeah well uh, my sister nikki uh, her dad I, she, uh, well we had different dads she's my half-sister uh, her dad didn't really care what she watched, which mine didn't either. They just didn't buy any horror movies. But I don't think your your mom said she didn't like horror movies much. Yeah, neither. My dad didn't either. My dad liked stuff with cars mostly. But uh, yeah, Nikki's dad just let her watch whatever, and so like he had horror movies sitting around all over the place, and then she'd watch them with her step siblings, and then they and then she'd like bring them home, and then. She'd torture me with them because I was afraid well what were some positive memories you have from uh, watching movies when you were little you know besides Christine because uh, we get that to yeah. save that for last uh, we'll see well like I said watching Friday Friday the 13th Nightmare on Elm Street and uh, see it was like the mid to late 90s so like all the crappy teenage horror that's movies. That's why you like them so much. Well, that's yeah, gotta be. that's what I grew up watching with my sister. That makes sense, though, because, I mean, we, we grew up in the 90s. I just didn't see that stuff until after I saw the really good stuff, and I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah, like, uh, watching the, uh, I still, or I know what you did last summer, and I still know what you did last summer. And, uh, the hairdos and the clothes, it's just like, oh, God. And, uh, what was that one? Uh, Faculty? Faculty? No, I never watched The Faculty. Uh, that was a Brett Merritt. Urban Legends. Oh, yeah, yeah, we watched that not too long ago. It was like 
I feel like it would have been cool. I mean, it wasn't bad, really, but it would have been way cooler if it was done in the 50s or something. Yeah. But then uh, we also watched, like, all the Scream movies, which those are actually good. <laughs> for the 90s. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> let's lower the bar here. And, uh, let's see, what else did she put me through? <laughs> I, idle Hands, I like that. It, it was a comedy, like, horror comedy, though. I've never seen that. Yeah, we don't, we don't have it. I'd like to watch it again. I probably haven't watched it since then. What's it about? I don't remember. I remember, I think Seth Green's in it. In a horror movie? I think so. Seth Green? I just, when I think of Seth Green, I think of him being like, and he's got like a green, I don't know. Just like a rambling, short little man or something. Oh, let us know in the comments if Seth Green is in Idle Hands. I thought you were going to say if Seth, Ro- Seth Rogen. Get the fuck <laughs> out of here, Seth Rogen. All right, if Seth, Seth Green goes... <laughs> whatever you did. <laughs> Please spell that out for us, too, because I'm not real sure. <laughs> okay, anyhow. And then, of course, you know, I had to had to watch all the uh, non- ha- non-horror Halloween movies. like Tim's uh, favorite. What? I said Tim's oh, favorite. Yeah. Halloween Town. <laughs> He's probably like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't like it, but my sister did and watched it like every year. But I would watch it with her anyway. And then uh, Hocus Pocus with those uh, annoying bully kids. And uh, wait, a bunch of other random witch movies like... I remember watching Practical Magic with my mom like, uh, every Halloween for I some reason. I feel like your mom definitely would like that movie. Yeah. I've, all I remember is like there was a scene in the kitchen where they were all crying or something. And I was like, this is it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get to watch the really, really cool stuff until I got older. What would you watch? Um, I didn't, like I said, I didn't watch much but you know the main thing i remember from when i was little that gave me nightmares and i didn't know why until kind of recently i guess was Ernest scared stupid that scared the shit out of me like i would have nightmares and i couldn't sleep and that came out in let's see i, I had it i had it pulled up here came out in give me a year should be at the top 91 okay it came out in 91 my god i'm looking at the at the little trailer thing here (laughs) holy shit those okay so you know why it scared the shit out of me the main thing killer clowns yep they reused space they reused the props and just repainted them to look even more fucking scarier in earnest, scared stupid. And I, I said killer clowns from outer space in case you didn't hear me. Yes. Yeah. They they had reused the killer clowns and then painted them to look like these scary gremlin things. I don't even remember the premise of the movie. Yeah. Ernest accidentally unleashes an ugly troll. Hell on earth. <laughs> an ugly troll that plots to transform children into wooden dolls? I remember there was like a big tree house and there were kids trying to, mm. it was like an Ewoks deal, like, ooh, the kids win, woohoo. But ain't no way. 
those killer clowns painted up to be ugly ass trolls are gonna take shit from these shit ass kids those <laughs> trolls were scary do you remember that yeah well i didn't watch it as a kid i watched it with you the only the only earnest movie i watched as a kid unfortunately was Ernest saves christmas i've never seen oh, that no, i watched uh, Ernest goes to camp when i was a kid i think i saw it i don't know why but i had i'm 80 percent sure janine who is my sister if you're listening to this do you happen to remember if we rented Ernest scared stupid and i almost said let me know in the comments i guess message me see were you scared of that too this scares shit out of you or was it just me probably well janine's uh five years older than me so she was probably like this fucking stupid (laughs) but um yeah that that one scared the crap out of me and um the other movie let's go let's go asshole yeah we live right next to a road that's why there's so many dumb hillbilly trucks flying by yeah yep the other movie that i watched a lot was under wraps from uh, 1997 apparently they're remaking that and we won't talk about that oh boy we just won't or i will get pissed off and i'll start rambling again but anyway, um, under wraps, I'll read the brief synopsis it gives here. Three curious teenagers and one very confused mummy who is Patrick Starr. And we'll win. That spells under wraps. <laughs> is that him? Yeah, from uh, The Stand. I don't know if I've ever seen The Stand. I started reading it before. It's fucking long. We have it on Laserdisc. Let's just go over to the magic Laserdisc store and buy a player. Or go to Jeremy's, I guess. Yeah, or try or, to fix fix ours. Our friend Jeremy has a Laserdisc... Di- <laughs> <laughs> Laserdisc player. I hope he doesn't have one of those. He might up in his attic or something. I don't Tim know. better watch out. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. I don't either. Okay, back to under wraps. Okay, yeah, I was saying Patrick Starr is the mummy. So three curious teenagers and one very confused mummy collaborate. Yeah, collaborate through some risky adventures with a race against time to reunite the mummy with his lover from 4,500. Why's it got to be 4,500 years ago? They just had to add the 500? Yeah. Just round up or down, anyway. Or did they say 4,500 years ago in the movie? How would they have known that? I forget. I, th- there's got to be some. That's how they know. 4,500 years ago. So they have to reunite him with his love from 4,500 years ago, who I assume was mummified with him. Because I remember him being real sad. You know that scene with the... I say you know. But you know anybody that's seen that movie, if you have the scene where it's playing all by myself at the, at the dance and the mummy's like... But, uh, yeah. that I used to watch that movie a lot. And it's about the main character, Marshall. He's really into horror movies. I'm talking about this like it's an act. But it was, it's not a bad movie. Like, I rewatched it recently. And I was like, you know what? This ain't bad. This is funny. It's a Disney movie, but it was from the 90s. So it's not just like... Is it better than Halloween Town? I've never seen that. <laughs> but I guarantee you it is. Because, like, the, the kid actually likes horror movies. He's got a, a kind of tomboy friend who's a girl who i think he kind of like i forget but uh she's funny and then he has a nerd friend who's like i don't think this is a good idea you know like the squid yeah of the group and um 
they don't bumble around with a mummy and it's funny I like I said I rewatched it and it made me laugh and you know me I usually hate everything and yeah. rewatching stuff from when I'm little I'm like really and you're really excited for the remake Yep, yes, but that was, uh, I, I watched Under Wraps. I'm not sure if Janine remembers that either. Because I don't know if we watched that together. I'm sure we did at some point because I watched it a lot. Because I thought the kid Marshall in that movie's room was really, really cool. Which I still kind of think it is. And at the end of the movie, he throws everything away because like, well, I don't know about this now because I saw a real life mummy and I don't think it's scary. <laughs> but he, he like threw everything away and I remember being like, eh. What do you have, like a bunch of Universal Monster stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Get that garbage out of here. <laughs> uh, that was uh, one of the few movies I watched. And for some reason, I used to watch Donald Duck and the Gorilla. That's not, <laughs> that's not a Halloween movie. It's not scary. But I'd always be like, it's time to watch it. Because I had like a three uh, cartoon short tape of Donald Duck things and I would fast forward to get to Donald Duck and the Gorilla and then I'd go back and watch the rest of them. I'd watch it again because I thought that it's still hilarious. I would still love Donald Duck. But it's I, ju I was looking at uh, like info on it and it's from 1944. I, I don't know why that blows my mind. It's not like I thought it was from, you know, 91, but I just didn't think it was from 44 because that that's hilarious when the when Huey, Dewey, and Louie make the, the the wax on his tail and it looks like a hand and it's waving around and he's waggling his butt and he every time I see a lollipop I think it, when he, he bites into that lollipop there's a picture yeah. on my screen and it look it's the gorilla who took a bite and then uh, Donald goes to take a bite and then he looks down and he goes Donald, Donald Duck noise yes but it, it's it's very funny. But it is it's not Halloween at all. You know, I saw, like Aaron, uh, I saw the good stuff when, you know, we we moved in together or we got together because we started going to flea markets together. Which you went to flea markets before me. Mm -hmm. But uh, we both just started thinking like, all right, but that that movie's cool. I bet that movie's cool. And we just started, you know, getting what we wanted, and then. I remember the first movie, the first horror movie that I ever really liked was before uh, I came here, and it was Evil Dead, and it was because my Uncle Ace and or Uncle Mike, if you're listening, what's up, and Annie Inch, he had a bunch of movies, because I had went with my Aunt Inch over to his place. And he was like, you watch whatever you want. And I was like, that. And it was like a, a box set of like Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2. And he was like, oh, all right, which one do you want to watch? And I was like, the first one. And he was like, good choice. And then we watched <laughs> the Evil Dead. And I was like, this was the best thing I've ever seen. I mean, I at first I thought it was a little bit goofy. But the more I thought about it, I was like, you know what? That's really cool. And it, I'm not going to lie. kind of scared me. I was like 17 years old. But it kind of scared me. Like the... You know, some person you thought was your friend trapped in a in a creepy ass basement with a bunch of old relics that call back the ancient demons and stuff. Mm -hmm. 
It's creepy. It's awesome. But that was the first. And being in Tennessee. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> I don't have anything against Tennessee people are listening. Probably, what the hell? But I wish we'd go to that cabin, but it's all but gone. It's I think there's gone. like a few boards. In the chimney. Yeah. People like taking stuff. I don't. Well, it burned down. Yeah, but I mean, the remains, people like taking stuff. You know what? Just take a leaf. Yes. Or a picture. I, I don't get what you get out of being like, I got the board from Evil Dead. They probably tell all two of their friends or bring it to a convention for Bruce Campbell design. And he's I like, got oh. Bruce Campbell's used toilet paper from 1981. <laughs> Sniff it. It smells like genius. <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah, uh, Evil Dead, and then the first movie I remember us getting here that I was like, I need to see more, was Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that That was like the first one we got? Mm-hmm. And it's the tapes that have Freddy Krueger's, you know, arms out to the side, and when you put the, the ends of the tapes together, it makes this whole body with his arms sticking out, and we got one of them, and we basically completed it. Mm-hmm. But that's one of my favorite movies, favorite, you know, 80s horror movies still. Do you have anything to add about, you know, the movies that, like, what was one of the first movies you remember really liking that we, you know, picked up at a flea market? Oh, that we picked up at a flea market? Uh, well, the the day we found Sleepaway Camp and Night of the Creeps at the same time was pretty awesome. I I like both of those. Yes. Tim. For 50 cents each. Buddy Tim's probably like, (laughs) what the fuck? Like, I'd... I'd never, I can't believe we we found Sleepaway Camp for that. Yeah, uh, I'd never heard of either of them. Like, yeah, we just saw the covers and we were like, those look yeah, those, cool. Yeah, those look awesome. <laughs> we gotta get those. And then you went home and looked it up and you were like, oh, holy shit. And that was a long time ago yeah, when yeah. stuff was cheap. Yeah, it wasn't a thing. It wasn't popular to collect VHS cassette movie tapes. It's... <laughs> but, yeah. Anyhow, I think it's just people remembering that they like, yeah, you know, I... the movies. So you said, um, you know, Sleepaway Camp and uh, Night of the Creeps. Mm-hmm. Those were, I I really started developing uh, a love for the uh, lesser known ones, I guess. I know a lot of people like them now, but I'm sure at the time when they came out, people were like, what the hell is this? It's just like the thing flopped yeah. at the theater and Christine and getting Christine didn't flop though. It, it, it yeah. made it made like nothing in the box office. It was like number four. It's opening weekend. Stephen King and uh, John Carpenter were like super disappointed about it. Oh yeah, well, I mean, they did okay though. Yeah, I guess not in their eyes, but um, but that was those were your favorite movies, but. Last thing I'm going to say before we get into the next topic, if you wanted to move on to that, was uh, what was your first favorite major horror movie, like, before we met, that you saw when you were older? Well, let's see. Uh, Again, my teens, I mostly watched action movies. I was watching, like, Rambo and Terminator. Yeah, Rambo's Rambo First Blood, First Blood Part 2, Rambo 3. Three of my favorite movies. And, uh... I mean, I watched horror movies, but it was, like, all the big stuff. I mean, like, Friday the 13th, Halloween. Halloween's probably, like, my favorite 
like one of my favorite horror movies of all time. I watched that a lot as a teenager. I didn't see that until we found it. Like I, I'm sure I had seen parts of it on TV, but I never saw the whole thing. It is that is one of my favorite movies too because there's no reason Rob Zombie that there was a reason for him to kill yeah, I, Rob Zombie. I, I saw the Rob Zombie ones when they came out, and they, eh. I just love that John Carpenter called him. Or, yeah. Call him an asshole. He called him a piece of shit. I was like, wow, that's the best thing I ever heard. <laughs> he needs to keep his grubby mitts off of movies. Like the Munsters. I love that show. And Rob Zombie's gonna ruin it, probably. I don't want to see one piece of that. But you know what? Let's talk about stuff that we like. <laughs> stuff that's not gonna get a terrible remake. But it is. <laughs> Did you use that as the thumbnail? I was just looking pissed off. Now it comes to one of my favorite books and one of my favorite movies and one of his favorite movies. This has been my favorite movie since as long as I can remember. Like, literally. Like, my parents used to let me watch this as a small child. Small boy. Because my dad really likes it. We're talking about Christine. John Carpenter's Christine. Would you like to talk about when you first, like, your, what do you remember when you first watch it? Because you said you first watched it when you were, like, two. This guy remembers, like, coming out of the womb. It's ridiculous. I don't remember that far back. But he remembers a lot. But, uh, yeah, like, it's one of my earliest, like, like, memories of watching anything is watching Christine with my dad and and then I watched it alone many many times what what scene do you remember uh, most vivid from when you were little? Uh, the, all of it but like uh, the the very beginning when Bad to the Bone starts playing and Christine kills the guy in the, uh, on the assembly line I was like, it's like I don't know I love George Thorogood as a kid because of that and I love Buddy Holly because of that and I just love that movie <laughs> it's uh, see he watched the movie obviously when he was really young and I when we first or when I first came here and we were living at his mama and Pebbles at the time because we were like little shit ass kids <laughs> and we didn't have a job yet but we, we got a job shortly after that but you know we didn't have internet and back then, it, uh, I feel like technology has taken a huge leap in the last 10 years, at least phone-wise. Mm. Back then, we we had like... Uh, Blackberry things, or yeah. whatever they were called. The ones that had the full keyboard and the little tiny screen. Yeah, so I mean, you're out of luck. Because we didn't have internet, we didn't have uh, a car really at the time. So I played my... Xbox 360 and you read books. Yeah. And luckily I had a whole bunch of Stephen King books already at that point. Yes. <laughs> because I remember you played Mass Effect and it's not that I didn't want to play it, but you know it says Xbox, what am I doing? Give me that. But um, you I, know, we, we played, played stuff together. A, I played it on a 13 inch CRT. On top of a dryer. <laughs> yeah, but I sat there and I didn't like the Ramones for some reason, I don't even know why I disliked them, but he was like, why don't you listen to him? You'll like him. And I was like, oh, okay. 
Because all I had was my portable CD player. Like I said, you know, you didn't, you, you couldn't just be like, let me just look up this song right now if you didn't have internet and stuff. Which I feel like people just wouldn't know what to do, or them young people, them youngsters wouldn't know what to do, but I mean, just have my CD player listening to the Ramones. So every time I hear a Ramones song off of that anthology set that you have, mm-hmm. I think of Christine. Like, I read that book so fast. And I don't know if it was, it probably partially had to do with that, you know, we didn't have anything to do all day. So I just sat there, we'd go down and skate with Tony or, you know, play video games with Tony or just hang out or something. But like, I just sat there and read that book and just. I think it wasn't it winter when you read it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was cold. I remember seeing my breath when I woke up cause it was cold in that house. But, um. Yeah, it was fitting, too, because the main the main kill scenes in that book, if you'd call them scenes, in my head, I feel like when I read that book, I just saw a movie. Mm. Because when you read a really good book, I'm sure listeners know what I'm talking about. When you read a really good book, it's like you could see what's happening in your head. And sometimes I'll confuse if there's an adaptation from a book to a movie. The thing that I thought of in my head when I was reading it and I mixed it up with the movie and I'm like I don't remember I thought there was this part in the movie but then I remembered that it was because I read it and it translated over so vividly but that book I liked it because at the time you know I was going through a change in my life I guess we both were because we were going from teenagers to adults but, um, you know, the transformation of Arnie and his, his life and how it was insidious with the car taking over and the fact that he, the reason that he wanted that car was because he said that was the only, it was in the movie and they took the line from the book is that he said, that's the only thing I've ever seen that's as ugly as me and I know I could fix it. And with him putting love and care into the car it fixed it and then it fixed him but in a fatal way I guess because if you haven't seen I, I, you can say the plot if you want the for, for Christine if, if for people who haven't seen it or read it well it's a it's about uh, Arnie Cunningham I almost said Cuntingham <laughs> Arnie Cunningham and he's a nerd he's got broken glasses you know he's a little like like the 80s like mama's boy yeah i don't know those parents are like really strict on him and he he was submissive and just wanted to be good good little kid and then his best friend dennis gilder who was a jock uh you know they they're driving home from school one day and then they see this dirty old 1958 plymouth fury and that's the car that's Christine. He they they stop and And immediately he says, I wanna see her. He yeah. already gives Yeah, he already knows it's a her. Yeah. But they stop and he buys it and then it slowly possesses him and then uh and then well, I don't I don't wanna ruin it in case anybody hasn't seen it. Okay, spoiler alert, because we got to talk about the well, whole movie. Yeah. yeah, if you haven't seen Christine or read it at this point, I highly recommend it. 
turn this off go read it or watch it and then come back the book it is awesome i love the movie that movie makes me very happy because any adaptation of a book that i like that much that it, it's john carpenter how could you not like it yeah that's all i'm gonna say but if you want to continue with the plot after he gets the car and he starts he goes yeah. to will darnell's garage because his mom won't let him park it outside their house because yeah. she's a you can't do that i'm your mom you know that shit i drive a volvo <laughs> Yeah, but the, he, he they take, kept acting like it was an ancient relic too because yeah, we were talking was, about that but it, <laughs> the movie and the book both take take place in 1978 so it's a 20 year old car and dennis kept saying it's an antique man at least in the book i'm not yeah it's like I, my car is a 20 year old car and it's not an antique <laughs> <laughs> it's like i have 40 year old cars they're not an well i guess they are antique yeah i'd say they are but i mean Nobody's going to walk up now and be like, look at this antique. No. I mean, usually people are like, oh, cool, because cars now, they just, they, they all kind of blend together. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, so he takes it to Darnell's garage and he fixes it up. And then... Uh, but he mysteriously fixes yeah. it up because Will Darnell tells him that he could use the stuff... Out back. Yeah, in, in the, the 58 Fury. I'm pretty sure they didn't have parts lying around no, back there's there. Only five thousand of those, or five thousand something of those ever made. And uh, they used about four thousand of them in the movie. No, they not used written. 20, no, I'm saying twenty-four. I thought they used okay, twenty-four, and only three weren't totaled, and that's where most of the budget for the movie went to. No, I was reading about it before this, and there's more than three that survived. Okay, I was just going by what the cast had actually said. Yeah, there was a lot more than three that survived that. I think the guy that played Buddy Repperton said that, but... Yeah, they they destroyed a lot of them, but they fixed them afterwards. At least that's good. I'm glad about that, because it does... Yeah, they bought, they bought 24, 17 of them were used in the movie, and then they completely destroyed, like five or six of them like just no way you'd ever be able to fix them probably from that last scene yeah and the the scene where uh, buddy repperton and his gang yeah destroyed i'm sure they didn't get that in one take yeah they did they did that to three cars and uh see that and then after the movie they sold them even the ones that were all beat up and then people have since restored them and there's actually a guy that lives not too far from us that has one does he ever bring it to car shows? Mm-hmm. It's mostly up around where he lives, though. That's cool. But getting back to the plot, not that I want to cut you off. Yeah, but yeah, Buddy Ripperton and, and uh, his gang sees Arnie and sees that he's, like, driving around a car. And they, they're like, oh, I know where he keeps that. So they go to Darnell's garage and they destroy it. And Buddy Ripperton's the bully who hates Arnie. Yeah. Stabs yeah. his lunch. Who in the movie looks like a 40-year-old, even though he's 24. Yeah. But I, that's... A lot of people are like, he looks like he's like 40. That's the joke, though, because it's the guy that doesn't want to get out of high school because he feels like he has some control over his life because he's a bully. Yeah. And he knows if he gets out of high school, he's just going to be fry cook or something. Mm -hmm. Not that there's anything wrong with fry cook, but I'm saying, like, you know... His yeah. dream's gonna be dead if he gets out of high school. Yeah, like Arnie's gonna be a scientist or a doctor or something, and he's gonna be <laughs> still ain't gonna be much. <laughs> still living in what was it uh, Libertyville? Is that the name of the town? 
It's been a while since I've read the book. They don't say it in the movie. I think so. I think it's Libertyville. I've read that book three times. I should know. And then, uh, they, they, like, uh, Moochie's like, I don't know really where he keeps it. And then they go and they destroy it. They destroy Christine. And then Arnie... The four get... guys, the four guys in his gang are uh, Moochie Welch, uh, Buddy Ripperton, of course, and then Richie Trelawney. And the other guy. Uh... Shit. The one that survives. Yeah, but they didn't mention that he was in the book. Or weren't there five guys in his gang? I think they might have left out the one in the book that they had mentioned because after they go. Okay, so uh, Buddy, uh, Buddy gets Bobby was one of them. Bo I don't remember his last name. It was Bobby something? It was like Richie Bobby. Moochie. Okay, yeah, it, it all ends with I-E or Y. Yeah. But, um, Buddy was so angry at Arnie because he got him kicked out of school because, uh, Buddy had pulled a switchblade yeah. on Arnie. In shop class. Yeah, and he got caught by a teacher, and then Dennis said he pulled a knife. And he said, that's bullshit. And, of course, you know, the guy, the Stephen King archetype for bully wearing a leather jacket, boots like shoulder length hair has a switchblade knife because if I had a dollar for every time Stephen King put that in a book I would honestly have twenty dollars but mm. he says to Arnie I'm gonna get you you're gonna wish you'd never been born and then he smacks his hand next to his head and after he gets booted out of school you know he's following around Arnie pissed off I don't exactly remember in the book there's a lot in the book mostly to do with Arnie like the plot in the book mainly follows Arnie and his downfall whereas in the movie it's a killer car which is nothing wrong with that because it's badass and you got John Carpenter music how many more times am I going to say Beam. John Carpenter yep <laughs> I think he used your voice on the keyboard yeah before I was born <laughs> time travel that's the only thing he didn't kind of sounds like a door shutting, but okay. <laughs> but he sees where Arnie's car is, and then it begins. And then they destroy it. And in the movie, every time I see it, ever since I was little, it just kills me to see them smashing up the car. And they liked it. And they liked it. Yeah. Uh, William Ostrander, the guy that played Buddy, uh, said he... He's like, when do you get to beat up a car? It's like... Yeah, beating up an old, like, Camry is one thing, but beating up a 58 Plymouth Fury. That's like beating up an old person. I don't know. It's just or a, wrong. Or a, which they probably used a Belvedere, which is pretty much the same car as the Fury was the, like, the sportier model. Did Belvedere's come in, they came in red, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Because it was easier to find Belvedere's than it was for, I think that's what Stephen King's on the back of on this book. Yeah, it's a Belvedere. Hey, I was right about a, something having to do with a car. Because he knows all about cars, and I know very little. Yeah, the, the Fury was the nice one. So, And actually, in the movie, that one of the cars, they, they couldn't find enough 58, so they used a 57, and they made the front look like a 58. Huh. Because the, the 57 doesn't have... I think I think it's only got two headlights instead of four. 
and this is this is the book that I actually read. I'm holding it up. It's a uh, it's a smaller book. Is this the first book club edition? This is the book club edition yeah. that's smaller, and then we have the bigger one that just is yeah. that a first edition? Yeah, yeah, they're both first edition. But this was the the one that I had read, like I said, at his uh, grandparents' house, and there's there's the back of him on the Belvedere. We'll post a picture on Instagram. Yep. As suggested by Tim, because that's a very good idea. Yeah. After they destroy the car and uh, Moochie takes a dump on the dash. Yeah. Which they cut out of the movie. Because it was in the deleted scenes yeah, though. He was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Arnie goes in uh, into Darnell's garage with Lee, his uh, girlfriend. Uh, and the reason, let's back up a little bit. The reason that Arnie is with Lee is because Dennis was like, oh, I'll ask her out because his friends put him up to it. And then she was like, no, I have a date. And he was like, okay. And it was the big game for Dennis that Friday when he had asked Lee out afterwards. And he's going for a big pass at the game. And he sees Arnie pull up. And he's like, oh, hey, it's Arnie. And then he goes, he's running. He's running. He's going to get that. Going to catch that. He's going to catch that pigskin. <laughs> and then... Right as the ball's about to come, he looks over and sees Arnie come out of the car, and then he sees Lee come out of the car, and he's like, what, what, what? And then he gets tackled and breaks. Uh, it's, uh messes up his knee. Yeah, and they said, or he would have been paralyzed if it had been. Or, yeah, he got his back and his knee, I think. Yeah, so he was in the hospital, and that's when the main transformation of Arnie takes place, because... Arnie comes to see him once. Lee comes to see him and tells him about how, in the book, Lee comes to see him and tells him about Arnie and how he's changing. And he's like, I haven't seen him in a while. And Arnie comes back for Thanksgiving and he's just a different person. He's turning into Roland D. LeBay in the book, who is the first owner of that car who got it off the assembly line. Had six miles on it. Or six miles on the odometer. Yeah, because he said he only drove it from uh, the yeah. assembly line or the dealership or whatever to yeah. his house. But that destroyed his life because mm -hmm. it possessed him. And in the book, the main difference with the book is that car requires... Souls. Yes, it requires blood and souls. It kills people in it to keep living and to keep being alive. And that's another instance of there's no reason for it. It's just an insidious evil that seems to have always existed and just happens to exist in this car. Mm-hmm. They probably picked up a bad chunk of iron ingot. <laughs> it's like the, the exorcist, wasn't it? That was There was like some ancient relic that they found and somehow mm. it affected a, Reagan. A Reagan. Yes, another awesome movie. Yeah, I watched that as a kid too. Really? Yeah. That scared me the first time I, I saw it when I was a full grown person. I didn't person. watch all of it. My, I had a, <laughs> I actually had a cool nightmare about that, that movie. If that makes sense, it was like I was in this house and I looked up the stairs and there was all this shit growing on the walls. Oh, bumped the mic, sorry. And um, there was this girl standing up there and it looked like Reagan and she kept saying, "Come here." And I was like, "Okay." And I went up there and then she like grew into this giant thing and started making these weird noises. I wasn't scared though in the dream. I was just like, this is pretty cool. Cause I knew it was a dream, but that's, that movie still freaked me out. I don't know how you could have watched that when you were a kid. I, I, 
I watched a little bit and I got scared and I ran to my room. Who who's watching it, Nikki? Nikki, yeah. She it didn't bother her? No. What the hell, Nikki? Like, Man. I think she'd already seen it before then. She's she's the same age as uh, my sister Janine. Yeah, she's, so she's four years older than me. Some of you are older than you. Yeah, yeah. Man, that's crazy. I was like I was like twenty when I saw that and it scared me. <laughs> I wouldn't say like I was in bed like boo, 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 but it freaked me out. That movie, it's awesome. Right. But getting back to Christine. Yeah, back to Christine. We were talking about it being, you know, needing blood to live. Yeah, and then uh, Roland sacrificed his wife and daughter to Christine. And do you think that was knowingly because it was never implied in the book whether he was definitely like here you go, because he did turn the other cheek when it happened. Yeah. Well I, well, I think he was possessed by the car by that point. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like your mind goes away. Just like how, uh, you know, Lee going back to him working on Christine in the garage. And it starts restoring itself from its crappy state that he got it from. From George LeBay in the movie. Which I, I was talking about with you. It makes more sense for that to be his brother in the movie. Because in the book... It's Roland D. LeBay, the original owner of the car. And he won't tell Arnie and every, everything that happened because then he ain't gonna want it. Mm-hmm. And then later on, Roland dies, and then George... Dennis gets a hold of George, and George tells him everything that happened about, you know, Roland's daughter and his wife, and that's how he knows. So that that's a lot of exposition to go through. So I'm, I see where they, they just made it George LeBay yeah. in the movie. Yeah, and to make it a little, little simpler for the plot. Yeah, that, and he was the shoveler guy from uh, Home Alone. <laughs> and he was also uh, Ezra Cobb and Deranged. Man, that's a the shoveler, a wide range. Old Man Marley. Yeah, well, that's yeah. that's his name in Home Alone. Did they call him Old Man Marley? I think. I've oh. seen that movie so many times. Yeah. Love Home Alone, but Rob, I... Robert's Blossom is the guy's name, and. In the movie Christine. Getting back to that. She'll start, but you'll need these. <clears throat> but that. I think why I like that movie and the book so much is. It, it sounds bad, but the way that Stephen King writes murders, because obviously it's fictional, it's not that like I would actually enjoy that. Yeah. Murder's terrible, obviously. But, mm -hmm. you know, being a work of fiction, and clearly a work of fiction, when a car is doing it, like, you're reading a book about a possessed car and this kid going through hell, who already had it rough because he was pushed around by his parents, and he didn't have a say in much, but he still wanted to be a part of everything and just fall in line. And instead of, you know, there was probably a point where it could have stopped and he could have just been a cool guy, you know, and friends with Dennis, but it just went downhill and downhill and he started turning into Roland LeBay in the book. Like his, when he met Roland, he had a back brace and his back starts hurting. He starts getting dark circles. All he does is work on the car day and night. His parents are worried about him. His dad even calls Dennis in the book and is like, please, could you please talk to Arnie? And then Arnie just finds out that, like, he assumes that Dennis is trying to ask what's wrong because he was like, my damn dad is. He was like, your damn dad cares about you. There's there's just so many levels 
of plot in the book which like I said and I'm not knocking the movie but it's it's got to be a movie you can't have all that in a movie but in the mm. book it's just so complex you know Arnie's transformation and who it affects and how it affects them and how it affects himself and how it's ultimately you know terminal for him mm-hmm. because you can tell like whenever he's in that car and he's got those dark circles under his eyes in the movie and Dennis is like what's what's wrong with you man and he was like there's nothing wrong it's just the shitters of the world which is a Death roll on the to bay the shitters of the world and that's on that movie card thing yeah i wish i had that i wish we had that yeah see we uh, we made it up to see yeah uh, arnie went in to find or went in to get something out of christine with lee and he sees it's all destroyed after buddy and the gang destroyed it and he he's like freaking out and he stays there all day he tells Lee to get out and then he gets pissed off at Lee he does in the book too like Mm -hmm. he flips the fuck out because he's gone because that's that's his girl Lee's not his girl that's his girl and that's like the extreme turning point that's when that's when shit starts happening Mm -hmm. and uh he's he's there with Christine all night and then he, he knows some like something fixes itself he stands back and he's like, "Okay, show me." And beep! the people listening were like, ah. <laughs> and then the uh, the amazing stop motion of them. That re- must have been so much work. Reverse destroying another fifty-eight fury. That, that hurts. Uh, it makes me just think of hours and hours of work they had to do. It's worth it, but just to think, I know they had a crew of people, but damn. That had to be so much work. Whacking something with a hammer, take a picture. Whack it again, take a picture. Whack it again, take a picture. And if you slightly move the camera, you gotta do it again. Yeah. It just, it it makes me think of the thing from uh, Parks and Rec when he does that stop motion and he does it all week and he's like, that's all it was? (laughs) Because it's like five seconds. (laughs) He's like, I think you need a job. (laughs) But (laughs) Parks and Rec and Christine, you know. Mm Mm-hmm. And then, uh, see, and then after that, that's when Christine starts killing uh, all of Buddy and his gang. Everybody that wronged her, messed with her in any way, anybody that saw anything, and, uh... Death to the shitters of the world. And when Dennis asks who they are, and he was like, all of them. Mm-hmm. That's when you know he's gone. But first it was Moochie. Yep. Because in the book... It's the same thing, but in the book it was snowing because they live in Pennsylvania. Yeah, and I think it was in the northern part of Pennsylvania. Yeah, it was. It was not too far from Pittsburgh, I think. It it was Libertyville. Yeah, yeah, Libertyville. Yeah, in the movie it's in California. Yeah, it's, but I I remember them saying some reason that it should that it's better to have it in California. But when Mushy died in the book. It was just snow, and I remember there being like blood in the snow and everything. And it was the kills in the book were so much more gruesome. And in the movie, we were talking about it earlier how they had to fight for an R rating because they said if you want this movie to be successful, teens and your demographic aren't going to come see it if it's PG because they didn't have PG 13 mm-hmm. in 1983, it was PG or R, and they had to like add profanity and crudeness to the script 
for it to get an R rating. And I wish, <laughs> I thought it was funny what he said when we were talking about it. I was like, I wish they had done gory kill scenes and, you know, at least a little bit more in depth. And you <laughs> you said something like it's it's cheaper to add the F word than to hire Tom Savini. <laughs> yeah. He's right. Uh, that's right. But, you know, my only real complaint with the book and I know they couldn't have done this or my main complaint with the movie and I know they couldn't have done this because like I said they didn't have a huge budget and what they did have in the budget was mainly for cars yeah they didn't kill uh, Will Darnell like in the book at all and I understand how they did it and why they did it because the reason Will Darnell was killed was because after Christine gets Buddy Repperton, which was not the same as in the book, as in the book, it was gruesome. Like, it was going into detail, and it was making me like... Well, we'll get there. Yeah. But, okay, but Will Darnell just kind of dies in the car, and in the book... Well, Christine crushes him between the seat and the yes. steering wheel. But in the book, he's in his house, and he sees Christine, and he's like, Is that you, Arnie? Is that you? And he's looking through his curtains and it just starts revving. And it's like, it, he says it sounds like a scream. And he's like, I gotta get away from this. So he goes upstairs and he thinks he's safe. And the car goes through his house and up the stairs. And then he falls down. Or at first it goes through the the big window. Yeah, the big window. Him, knocks him back. You yeah. only read that once and you, you remember a lot. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, then he goes upstairs and it falls and it just destroys his house and crushes him a lot crushed him i think the glass flew into him too mm -hmm. it was just so detailed and it drove away back to the garage <laughs> do, 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 do. or probably listening to like buddy holly Del shannon or yeah. something yeah but uh when moochie dies in the movie it starts playing uh what was that song? Uh, the song from Matilda. Oh, I have no idea. That one that's like... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know when she's flinging the plates around and shit and makes pancakes for herself? You know. I made the joke earlier that, that uh, Matilda's off screen <laughs> like throwing plates around while Moochie's getting ran over. And we were talking about it. It would have been hilarious if Danny DeVito or Will Darnell... <laughs> D's a bird. <laughs> yeah. Who's D? I don't know. I think it's from the future or something. And then, see, in the in the movie, when Buddy and the rest of the gang die, they go to the uh, which one of them's dad was it? Trelawney's dad's gas station. It was one of them's dad's gas station. Yeah, because it didn't show him working there. It was just like implied. Yeah. Because he was supposed to have been working there, and they were picking him up, and they were getting everybody together in the car in the in the book. And in the book, he drives the same car, the Camaro. Yeah. Well, uh, see, the, they're they're driving down the highway, and they see headlights behind them, and then the they're, uh, the person's getting closer and closer and closer, and then they're just riding his back bumper, and he pulls into the gas station. And he's like, "Someone's following me." 
And then Christine comes and just smashes his 67 Camaro. And he said, I'd like to see that son of a bitch come up here right now and do something. And then, bam. Yeah. And then it hit the Camaro so hard that it was stuck to yeah. the Fury. And it backed up and then threw the car into the gas station. Mm-hmm. And then it blows up the gas station, which kills you know the other guys and then buddy gets out gets away and runs down the road <laughs> in the book he had a cardigan on but in the movie like again again cardigan yeah well he's got his leather jacket on in the movie of course and then he's uh running down the highway and christine comes out of the burning gas station on fire and that the... is the the best scene in the movie apparently someone restored that one how well i mean it didn't burn the metal all the way down to nothing so they, man they just to, to know that i would just leave it i'd be like this is the coolest thing i own <laughs> and, uh, and then it runs over buddy in the street and his body just that lights. was cool though that he was on fire yeah i sound like a psychopath i am talking <laughs> in terms of it being a horror movie i'm not talking about like i'd love to see somebody on fire you know in the book uh they're like coming back from a basketball game and then Christine gets in behind him, and, and Buddy's not driving. It's in they're in his Camaro, but uh, yeah, because he's talking down to the other guys, and he's trying to act like he doesn't miss Moochie, because he's trying to be big tough guy, but he's kind of worried about that. And he's wearing a cardigan with a, a parka on over it, <laughs> which is more realistic, yeah, really, for up in the mountains of Pennsylvania. Yeah, but <coughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, they're they're driving back from the basketball game, and Christine gets in behind them, and then uh, they're trying to get away, and they're like speeding. Christine's just right on them, and then Christine keeps smashing them in the in the tail end, and then they spin out and slam into a like an island in the middle of the street. That was another part that made me like ooh, like the detail in the book when mm -hmm. that happened, because you're talking about the book. Yeah, and then. Uh, you know, the other two guys are dead, and then Buddy... Their climbed. bones were sticking. That, I remember yeah. that was the part. No, it was it was either Buddy or one of the guys. He was explaining how the bone was sticking out of their skin. Well, that was that's later. That's when he's... Okay, so that was, yeah, uh, it was Buddy. Buddy. Yeah, but he, he's, he's like all covered in glass. He's got glass sticking out of him, and he climbs out of the windshield because he couldn't get the door open. And he climbs up to a snowbank, and then Christine just crushes his legs over I'm and over. I'm still impressed by how much you remember. And I've read the book three times. And then the, he uh, he's, rolls down the snowbank and then he's laying there thinking Christine's just going to run up over. Yeah, and, I uh, remember that, yeah. And uh, uh, He's like looking up at the top of the snowbank and he sees an old man standing there but then he's like... It was rolling. Yeah, it was rolling. Holy crap. That's I'm, I'm not going to read the book. I'm just going to ask you to tell me it again. <laughs> I do want to read the book. That was another difference in the book too is that Roland's spirit was still in that car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because was Arnie wasn't in the car at that point. Yeah, and he, would, he was telling Arnie what to do. Mm-hmm. And it was in Arnie's head but he lived in the car... But I don't think Arnie knew what was going on because Roland was telling him, but he wasn't aware that that was going on. So he was just doing what he thought he needed to do. But mm -hmm. Roland was in control the whole time, and Christine was in control the whole time because Roland didn't want his car to die. Yeah, uh, when he's when he's laying there and he looks up and he sees uh, Roland 
He, he sees the old man, but then he looks closer and he's a corpse. And he turns into some... That was so cool. And he turns into some big crazy thing and comes at him. But like right before he does that, he says, That's the end for you, shitter. And I think he has a heart attack, doesn't yeah, he? And yeah. then he freezes to... And he freezes. And they find him and he's just like an icicle of blood and glass. Because I remember him describing the blood when he was rolling down that hill. Mm-hmm. And then Christine drives off like nothing happened. Fixes itself by the time he gets back. Excuse me, I just heard. I'm going And then after that, that's when Darnell dies. Yeah. In the movie and the book. See, that's that's a similarity I realized in uh, Stephen King books, Exacting Revenge. In Very order. gruesomely, yes. Anybody that wronged the character who is in connection with the other character or other thing like how we were talking about the dark half mm -hmm. how, last week yep how George, one. <laughs> how George Stark went off and got everybody that caused his death and was going to make him go away forever mm -hmm. same thing with Christine because she didn't want to die yep and would you after that uh, see, after that, Darnell dies. You, you and the detective. Yeah, yeah, the detective doesn't die in the movie. He's at the end of the movie. Uh, but yeah, in the book, he was a. Uh, she runs over him. I think that one was less detailed. Yeah, it was. It. I think it was just implied. I can. It's been a while since I read it. I, I, I mainly. You wouldn't think so. Yeah. Well, I mean, I. He's he dies. The yeah. detective that's looking at Arnie because it's Harry, Arnie's car. Yeah, Harry Dean Stanton dies. <laughs> because nobody else has a 58 Fury around there, and that's 58 Furies didn't come in red. Autumn red. Yeah, and Autumn red was found on all the bodies, and people had seen Arnie's Fury, like I said. Driving away from the murders. Yeah, crime scenes, and he, was, he had an alibi every time, but the there's no way that that could that could be because the car isn't alive mm-hmm yeah see then after the detective dies that's when uh, in the book they like they really find out that Roland sacrificed his wife and the car needs souls and all that from his brother yeah Roland's yeah. brother George yeah. because Roland dies in the book and at the funeral Dennis goes and meets George and George is like I really don't want to talk about this and then he catches up with him again and then he finds out all the details and he does he tell Arnie and Arnie's like oh that's bullshit yeah it wasn't he his brother moved to like Colorado or somewhere yeah he said he wanted to move far away from this shit mm -hmm. and uh Arnie's so far gone that this doesn't phase him at all yeah so then I mean I, Lee almost dies in the car mm-hmm choking on a Hamburger. Which is exactly what happened to Roland's daughter in the book. Mm-hmm. And they didn't mention that in the movie. No, they just said that the that the daughter had died. They didn't yeah. explain what happened. See, and then uh, see, then after that, that's when they make the plan to destroy Christine with Petunia and the bulldozer. Petunia in the book and the bulldozer in the movie. Which, the bulldozer makes more sense than... A giant pink septic tank truck. That like I said, very Stephen King. It's just like he adds these quirky, weird things. Like, oh, here comes the pink septic tank named Petunia to kill this killer car from outer space. Not really from outer space. 
Yeah, and then yeah, the bulldozer crushes another 58 Fury, and it just hurts me every time I see it. And then the and in the book, Petunia just runs over to, uh, over Christine a few times, and then they and then they crush her. And then in the in the book, uh, Christine's antenna pops up out of the crushed car cube. And in the movie, like her grill starts to fix itself, and then it goes to black. And the gang member that was not mentioned in the movie, who is in Buddy's gang. Yeah. who in the middle of this after Moochie dies he's like I don't want any part of this and then you're like ah get out of here and he moves away because yeah. he's so scared yeah he moved to California as far away as he could get yep which I guess in the movie he wouldn't have been getting very far no no yeah but then uh, yeah he moved to California and got a job at a drive in and then it's four years later and Dennis is looking at the news and sees uh where a guy working at a drive-in got killed by a car getting smashed into a brick wall and he knows that Christine's still alive or at least he's hoping she's not so does that imply that it's coming for Dennis uh, I don't know maybe and Lee because in the book another difference is that Lee sees that Arnie has completely changed and is like psycho now and has no feelings for her and just has is emotionally attached to the car and she goes and sees Dennis in the hospital when he broke his leg Mm. and everything from that football game and then they start to develop a romantic relationship and Arnie finds out later but I think he just doesn't really care he just cares that Dennis wronged him because like I said Christine is his girl yeah he doesn't care about Lee at all no but they had in the book after this was all over they kept dating but they didn't get married and they didn't stay together that long because you know when you see a movie and you see like a couple going through something that's like supernatural or extremely traumatic that's got to take a toll on their relationship to have you know killed a killer car and in the book when they killed the car, when they crushed the car, they saw everybody that died in that car because they just had appeared mm-hmm. as they were doing that. So you see all these dead bodies from like 20 years ago, along with your dead friend Arnie, who is a shell of his former self. Mm-hmm. And then you're just going to be like, well, I guess we go out to Burger King now. Yeah, let's, let's go. Uh, let's go get option three. <laughs> How are we going to explain that? We're not. <laughs> For those that know, we'll know. Pat and Ian? I'm talking about a jumbo jack. <laughs> Why would Pat and Ian talk, listen to us ramble about Christine? I feel like this might be superfluous, but I I love that book, and I really like that movie, and that's one of your favorite movies. And since mm-hmm. it's October, figured we talk about you know, one of our favorite things. So, you know what? I don't think it's superfluous. Yeah, but let's talk about the difference on how Arnie dies. Because in the movie, when they're crushing Christine with the bulldozer, uh, he just wrecks and flies through the windshield and gets a big chunk of pre-safety glass windshield through his, <laughs> his stomach. But in the in the book... He's, like, fighting for his sanity. He's, like, coming back to being Arnie, the nerd again. And then Christine's, like, repossessing him. 
Like he's like fighting, like Christine possessing him, and then he gets flung out of the car. I think. I think because she got tired of him. Yeah. Not wanting to sacrifice himself because that's what it came down to because that's what Roland did mm. because he knew he was gonna die but he got in the car so she could have his soul yeah and that's what she wanted because she saw it was the end for Arnie because that's what she does she drives people to their demise no pun intended and then takes her soul so she could continue her murderous rampage and thirst for blood so she could continue to be a sentient evil car mm-hmm And it's a great book and a great movie. Yes, very much so. And John Carpenter was supposed to direct Firestarter, but they pulled him from that to do Christine. Yeah. And the movie he did well, before that was... Well, Firestarter got pulled back, or pushed back. Did he direct that? No. Uh, okay. Was, uh, I can't I've remember. never seen that. Uh, it's got Drew Barrymore. Pass. Well, <laughs> she's a little girl. It's Pass. Like, <laughs> I've seen it. I watched it and, and uh, was a uh, black cat. Eyes of the cat. Yeah, yeah. I watched it like back to back. So and there, she's in both of them. I haven't seen. You know, I shouldn't say that because I like the wedding singer. She's well, in that. Well, she's a she's an adult there. She's just a little girl in those. That's when she's like four or five years old. I guess I do need to see that. But uh, yeah, you know what? I'm not looking forward to the remake of Christine. Why does it need to exist? Yes, and people there, are like, there's going to be a remake of Christine, unfortunately. Why? I'm just so tired of everybody being like, oh, well, you know what just leaves out some stuff or they had this plan for years. I don't care. I don't care. You know no, what? You could make it if they want. They didn't have a plan for years. They just thought of it this summer. But why? It's going to be a, a Blumhouse or Bloomhouse, how you say it, movie. I don't like any of their movies. And uh, the guy that's going to be directing it is like some guy that just works on like Star Trek and stuff. What? Yeah, he's the story writer and the, the and the director. He like works on like the whatever the more recent Star Trek is, and he worked on like a few other like sitcoms and stuff. I don't think he's ever done an actual movie. I'm just afraid they're going to get like a Tesla or something and be like... Well, it's got to be a 20-year-old car. They're going to get a 2001 Ford Focus. <laughs> SVT. That would be so scary. Even though SVTs didn't come out till 2003. Why would I have known that? You're acting like, gotcha. I don't <laughs> fucking know. You're going to get a 2001 Toyota Celica GT. <laughs> I don't know. It's the last ones with the pointy headlights. Oh. <laughs> <coughs> well, excuse me. Sorry, I was loud. Yeah, but the remake does not need to happen. No, absolutely not. So if you want to, you could do a sequel. I don't care. No, just don't. Just leave it alone. In my opinion, just leave it the fuck alone. Just it's come like up it... with a new idea. Please. Please, for the love of God. Like, there can be a killer... I don't know, a killer 76... Microwave. That sounds like an actual movie. <laughs> I was it sounds like say a movie from the 50s. I was going to say a 76 Pinto. And its name could be... Jerry. <laughs> Jerry the, the killer 76 Pinto. And his horn is... <laughs> and, and they kill it by uh, 
bumping it in the tail end too hard and its gas tank explodes. Because <laughs> <laughs> that, that happened. Because Ford put the gas tank too far back and they would, like people were getting rear-ended and their cars catching on fire. Great job. Yeah. Wow. What was I going to say? I completely forgot. <laughs> Jerry the killer Pinto threw me off. We were talking about remakes. Stupid we're talking about cars. cars going by. What do you want to you know, wrap this segment up and head on into the music that we uh, associate with? October and Halloween? Yes. All right. Well, I think... You said you didn't have much to say about it, but you know what? I want to hear what you have to say first. What about uh, music that makes me think of October? Yeah, and I don't necessarily mean, like, it has to be, you know, like... October-themed? Yeah, just something that would make you think of Halloween, or... It doesn't even have to be metal or anything, just something that would make you think of fall, or... Alan Jackson. No, I'm... That is pretty scary. Well, being a teenager in Grayson County, Kentucky, I just think, or being a teenager in uh, the uh, 2000s in Grayson County, Kentucky, everybody played the Misfits every, like, all the time. Must have been nice. So, uh, like, every time I hear the Misfits, I think of October because I don't know why. Well, a lot of, there's a lot of, like, local shows at the Chamber of Commerce, uh, usually around October. That was the first show we ever played. Yeah. Was there, yeah. And, uh, Many years ago. Before Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, and my old band played there a few times. And uh, Steel Colossus. Yeah. <laughs> you, weren't, you weren't bad. You were too hard <laughs> on yourself. But we played there in October every every single time. You didn't play there any other, any other time? No. We played other places throughout the rest of the year but for so, some reason every time we played at the Chamber of Commerce it was always October I'm pretty sure because huh. it was like a Halloween thing was it fun? yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh, <coughs> yeah but uh, I always think of you got Mater juice on me <laughs> I always think of the Misfits and then I think of the Halloween's Halloween. Pretty much any song called Halloween. King, King Diamond. Yeah, King Diamond, Merciful Fate. Yeah, you know what? Now that I think of it, Merciful Fate makes me think of October, definitely. Mm-hmm. Break, Don't Break the Oath. And Melissa. And, you know, King Diamond stuff. Them. Uh, I can't get to it right now. Fatal Portrait. Yeah, definitely Fatal Portrait. You know what Fatal Portrait makes me think of? The summer I worked on... Or I did work in an abandoned uh, Catholic school with my dad, and I listened to Fatal Portrait and Tank, and um, I forget what else. But that's what it makes me think of. But it also makes me think, like more so, uh, Merciful Fate makes me think of October. Well, that's ev- an awesome album. Every night to me is Halloween. <laughs> yeah. Let's see, yeah, but besides, besides that, I don't know. The Ramones kind of make make me think of October and Halloween. Yeah, 
Yeah, their horror movie songs they did. I'm talking about like later on Ramones, yeah. like towards. Yeah, when they were depressed. That's that's like the best Ramones. Yeah. Like I I love the Ramones no matter what, but like when they the late or the mid to late '80s stuff is awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, what albums make you think of October? Oh, that's it for you. Yeah. Is it for me? I don't. That is. I said I didn't have a whole lot. I just, I listen to October themed stuff all year round. So yeah, I'm I'm saying like typo well, negative. It's, it's not like I'm like, oh, this is just for October. I'm just saying, you know, stuff that makes me think of Metallica. <laughs> the later stuff is scary. I uh, guess Saint Anger would yeah. scare you. I I love listening to Death Magnetic on Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> trying to find where I had I had written you gotta find your notes look through my notes yeah I can't find notes you know what I'll just say uh you're doing it live (laughs) under the sign of a black mark by Bathory because this makes no sense to me it's like uh I listened to it a lot when we worked at hell at core mark and that's what would get me through our like 12 to 13 hour shift that was supposed to be 10 hours mm-hmm. and I would just listen to Bathory but uh, I listened to Under the Sign of a Black Mark like a lot in October and then we got to listen to it in the woods in Cumberland even though that was in July but I, I associate the woods with I don't know how to put it Under the Sign of a Black Mark that's what I think of and um, 45 Grave Sleep in Safety mm-hmm. definitely uh, anything like that, Susan, the Banshees, Voodoo. Saw uh, Win. Yes, yeah, Sam Hain, for sure, definitely. Uh, Inisham, November Coming Fire, obviously. Uh, October Rust, Typo Negative, you know, World Coming Down. I know that's not like a. doesn't have October in, in a. Uh, I, I guess that makes me think more of summer, but you know what? Stuff like that, like. Uh, I guess depressive post-punk kind of stuff, like 45 Grave and Susie and the Banshees, like, uh, earlier Susie and the Banshees, because they kind of took took a turn. Uh, TSOL, Revenge, that album, I don't know why. It makes me think of... October? Yeah, and uh, The Wipers, Land of the Lost, because that makes me... I will talk about this movie at a later date, because we both love this movie. Uh, River's Edge... Keanu Reeves' first movie in 1985. The soundtrack for that had the wipers on it. And I really liked that song, um, Let Me Know, it's called. And then I listened to the rest of the album, and it was awesome. Now there's a train. That's That was actually me, excuse me. Oh, you're a train? I make train noises sometimes. I'm a train! <laughs> Days of bird! Days of bird! Anyway, before I was rudely interrupted, uh, what was I even saying? Stuff about, uh, Susie and the Banshees and... Goth rock. Yeah, I guess, I, I guess, uh, Sisters of Mercy, maybe. Maybe first and last and always. Cause, uh, having a brain fart on the, uh, the, the, the album with, uh... Floodlands? Floodlands, yes. I guess floodlands, anything like that. Um, 
but you know like you said it's not exclusively ever like well i can only listen to this in october it's like you know it's spoopy season but um yeah any any uh black metal makes you think of winter but that's winter i don't know i'm getting into jumping seasons here to like how rust in peace makes me think of christmas why because i got that cd oh and i just listen to that all the time on my portable cd player that you still have after all these years yeah i still have the batman sticker on it from eighth grade (laughs) (laughs) that's grade eight for all of our canadian listeners how many we got like one one who's that brian oh how did you duh brian fraser fraser i'm fraser cool guy hey draws draws cool stickers hour of witching on instagram if you want to buy his stickers go buy his stickers because they're awesome and he draws them and he did some art for your old magazine yeah he did and people keep saying bring back the fanzine it's like tell you what i appreciate the hell out of everybody that really liked that you, but damn, it was a lot of work. Do you want to talk about why the uh, magazine's not coming back? Sure. I guess the sure the few things I can say. <laughs> uh, I need I I focus my time on drumming. I wasn't enthusiastic about it anymore. It felt like a chore, and it was. It, I don't think people quite understand, and I know a lot of people that enjoyed it also are artistic and they dedicate their time to something they're passionate about so I know they know how it is to sit down and dedicate all all of your spare time to something but when it starts to not hit a note with you and you just feel like you're doing it to do it I just didn't want to do it anymore it's not that I don't appreciate the bands coming out with new music like Vindicator with Communal Decay go check that out it's brand new but you know just it was just me i don't know if people understand that i know people have done projects by themselves but i was working every minute after we got home from work and we worked night shift so that sucked i would get like no sleep I would just be by my laptop, I wouldn't get to practice drums, I wouldn't get to play guitar, I wouldn't get to read, I wouldn't get to play video games, you know, I wouldn't get to, I do put my effort into other things because people are like, well, you gotta put the work into what you're passionate about, it's like, I wanna be good at music, I wanna write music, and I would like doing this podcast because I'm passionate about it, and I wanted to also include Aaron, because the way that I work with the fanzine and the main part of why it was just me is because my workflow is constant and if somebody is not completely up to speed with me I'm not having it and I'm not saying that you you have very good work ethic but it's just that I needed to do it when I wanted to do it and I had to get it out and then I started to feel like I had to get the magazines out like every other month and it was making it like nuts and the third issue it, it wasn't a good time for me, and it kind of makes me, you know, think of that. And the fourth issue, I think, was the best quality, like, print-wise. And I feel like that was a good place to stop. I still eventually want to maybe do something like that, but it's just... 
all the albums I got to review, like CDs. I still have stacks and stacks of CDs that I had to review. And I really didn't care for, like, a good amount of them. And I'm like, why am I doing this? It's like, I don't want to be jerks to people, but I just did I wasn't into it. And I'm like, why am I going to write about this stuff that I don't really care much for? Yeah. But the main reason was because... I had to edit, I had to do the layout, I had to do the writing, I had to do the interviews, I had to get the picture, uh, you know, permissions, I had to do, do everything, everything. I didn't have a team of people help me. And I, I, I did some reviews and stuff, and I did the cover of the first one for you. Yeah, but he did, and I'm not downplaying that because I think you did very good reviews. But he had done... Did you do two or three reviews? Three? Two? I'm not sure. But there would be about ten each issue. And it would be me. And then he'd write one. And, um... I don't know. It's, it just, like, gives me a headache to think of... And I would get people to do art. And it was just me. You and, know, and I just started to not be passionate about it. It's a lot of money. And, and we were broke all the time because we worked at a uh, crappy job yeah we'll get into some stories about what happened there later because they're pretty humorous but we'll save that for when we have more listeners potentially 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 yeah but we, we worked crappy job we were broke all the time so i was in the red like i don't i know i was in the yeah we spent the last of our money to get those printed and then it took forever to sell them, so we were out. Forever all... to sell them? No, it, it took you. You had them for like a year or so. Issue four? Yeah. That went pretty quick. Oh, wow. Uh, so where the, the money pre-orders? Go? Uh, do, do you think I got my money? But that's another thing, is that people don't realize that it takes a lot of money to print those fanzines. And even people are like, well, why don't you print them yourself? It's like, that was another reason. Does that cost even more? Yes. I bought a brother printer and I bought a color printer because I wanted to do cover uh, the cover and color and then the insides were going to be monochrome. And I would print them and I had to learn how to use the printer. I would put all the pages in or I'd put the paper in and then it would print out the odd pages and then I'd put it back in and it would print the even pages and then I'd print the cover and then I'd print the black and white on the back of the cover. And then I would assemble them with the stapler. I'd have to cut off the edges, too, with my um, guillotine cutter. And then I'd staple them and fold them. And that took forever. And it took so much money. And I was just like, I can't do this anymore. And even when I got them printed, it was a lot of money. Mm -hmm. I might do a blog if I feel like it. I feel like all of the juice was taken out of me and all the joy. Because it was just so... I was, I wasn't, I wouldn't say I'm disappointed because, you know, it's not like I did anything big. It's not like I had a billion issues or anything because you have to work for that. I understand that. But, you know, I thought more people were going to like issue four. And when I put that much effort in and got it professionally printed, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done. I just want to, you know, practice drums, which I, which I have been a lot and play guitar and work on writing my own stuff not that I don't really like Blood Curse because I do but you know you want to write your own stuff yeah 
And that's why. No more thrash dance fanzine. I also dislike that name because. Those are reasons. Yeah. I'm doing all that. Yeah. <clears throat> Not that I don't. I love Razor because that's what I named it after. But the connotations I have with myself with that title. Yeah, but that's uh. That's why. Now in Blood Curse news. Uh, we were hoping to get our new album done in time to put it out for Halloween, but that's probably not going to happen because I've been working myself to death at the uh, family uh, wood shop. Because a few months ago we lost our big dumb corporate jobs that we hated. It was stealing our souls. Yeah, so I, I started working full time with my dad at our wood shop, which I used to do a long time ago. And uh, I just haven't had time to work on it, so I just work on it a little bit when I have time. And he's gone all day, and he does woodworking stuff, and he's making some guitars because that's what he wants to do, and he's really good at it. He's when he had like no tools, and he would have a hunk of wood, he'd come back in with like a destroyer body. Explorer. Why do I keep saying? I don't know. An explorer body. I know the difference. I don't know why I keep saying that, but it, yeah. it looks awesome. And I made a... Uh, I couldn't afford a Rickenbacker, so I just made my own. Uh, that looks really good, too. That was the first one that you tried, I think. Mm-hmm. I still think that looks really good. Like, compared to now, it still looks okay, but now you definitely know what you're doing. You have better tools, but... Mm -hmm. You know, that's what he's working towards, and he's also good at woodworking in general. So the album, not coming out for Halloween, but we're going to get it out as soon as I can get it finished. And all the drums are recorded. Yeah. I did that in a weekend. Yeah, the drums are done. Uh, I've just been slowly getting all the guitars and vocals done, and then and then the bass will come after that. And then it's like, I've been working on it for months, but... I don't have a whole lot of time. So, just hang in there. It'll, it'll come out. It's coming, yeah. And we're still waiting on the art, too. But we don't want to rush our friend Michael, because he's working all the time, too. He's, he did the album art for our first album, Sorcerers, too. And he did our t-shirt designs and pretty much every bit of art that we've ever had. He's amazing. He really is. He thinks he's crap but that's anybody that good that is good at what they do they're too overcritical of themselves and he showed us the movie deranged yeah starring, he showed us a lot of movies like robert's blossom the old sweeper man or shoveler man or whatever you called him earlier and george LeBay. yeah i said i said like old shovel man i said the shoveler like from mystery man <laughs> for all five people who know what that movie is i love that movie too all right good think this podcast is about over i the, the last thing i was gonna say is that we're gonna be playing a gig with raven yep at the uh on the 20th of this month just a few days away wow yeah we gotta practice. practice yes we do we're practicing this weekend we are <laughs> yeah i mean of course we are <laughs> i've been practicing this week though so that's yeah there's that but yet we got the for anybody that's listening, we're going to be getting tickets soon, and we're going to be selling them. It's in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. 
yes. Louisville. For all those not from Kentucky. Me. That's how I said it before. And I was like, what are you guys saying? You got something in your mouth or something? <laughs> wah, wah. Louisville. Yeah, we're playing at the, uh, uh, what's it called? Diamond Pub. Yeah, Diamond Pub and Billiards. I think I got bit by something. Hooray. Probably a stink bug. They bite? No, they just stink when you squish them. They can't stink more than our cat farting. And on that note... <laughs> Alright, you can uh, check out our Facebook page, Shock'em Dead Podcast, or Instagram, Shock'em Dead Podcast. You can uh, find us on... Well, I guess you already found us on Anchor or Spotify or any of the other podcast platforms, or else you wouldn't be hearing this. And uh, you can check out our Patreon. Just search Shock'em Dead Podcast on a Patreon, and you should find us. And there's tiers to... Uh, you know help us out and you get some you know stuff you get the podcast early and uh, i think the uh, full video podcast yeah because you want to and see me yeah <laughs> look like a little weasel over here with it oh and then uh sorry for no video podcast last week uh it like deleted half of it yeah. for some reason so that sucked all right See ya! Thanks for listening.